0: on Film, a queer movie discussion podcast. For the purposes of this podcast, a film is considered queer if it features a prominent queer character, can be viewed through a queer lens, or is particularly important to the queer journey or identity of my bi-weekly guest. My name is Kat Kingsley, and I use they-them pronouns, and I am joined this week by Amanda Kingsland. Hi,
1: I'm Amanda. I am an artist and a Twitch streamer, and I use she-her pronouns. Thank you so
0: much for joining me. Um, And also, I know you might have heard that I said bi-weekly. I've decided to turn this into a bi-weekly podcast, partially because it's a lot of work, and there's just one of me, and also there's so many good puns we can make out of that, so we're going with it. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a good choice. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so this week we are here to discuss the movie Carol, which I had not seen before, which I say this like almost every week, because apparently I've not seen (laughs) any movies, even though I feel like I have. But this one I had kind of, in some ways, purposefully avoided uh, when it first came out. Whoa. Because everyone was just talking about it so much that I knew, I was like, if I watch this right now, I'm for sure going to, like, go in with, like, ready to, I don't know, the preconceived notions. Yeah, like, it was 2015, I wasn't as good as I am now, so I'm like, oh, everyone's talking about this so much. I'm gonna like not like it simply because everyone likes it so much. Yeah. We've all had those phases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so yeah, this is my first time watching it, which was kind of interesting to watch it so much after everyone was talking about it. But um do you wanna tell me why you chose this film? Um
1: so I saw this movie for the first time Uh, I don't know how long ago, definitely not when it came out, Um, but I had started dating my current girlfriend. We've been together for three years and it was like her favorite movie. She'd read the book it's based on. So we watched it together at some point and I just really connected to it because I don't think I've ever seen another movie that just depicted like two women who like are lesbians who fall in love. And the story is just focused on that. And it's not about like tragedy. Or, you know, like, the barrier gaze trope or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so just was so much easier to connect to, even though it takes place in the 50s, which um, I was born in the 90s. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> but yeah, I just could connect to it so much that way. Because, like, I was just coming out and, like, realizing my sexuality and the main character, Therese. Also, that's her story mm-hmm. in
0: the movie. So I'm going to have a really hard time remembering how to say her name. Because <laughs> I keep reading it, and then I'm like, "Oh, Therese." I'm like, "Nope, it's Therese, it's Therese." But as she makes she makes sure to make a point of that in the movie. <laughs> yes, I wrote it down and like um, phonetically in the my notes too, so that I wouldn't forget to say it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so for people uh, who like myself had not seen this before, we should probably give a little summary. So this movie takes place, uh, I believe, in 1952. Yes. Yeah, and it is a uh, based on the book, uh, originally entitled The Price of Salt, later on re-released under the name Carol by Patricia Highsmith, and it was a semi-autobiographical book.
1: Yeah, kind of like an amalgamation of her life experiences.
0: Yes, yeah, like, as of different women and, and different parts of their stories in and, and her own. The movie starts with a scene with two women having, I think, tea, you know, at like a Fancy place, and they're interrupted by a man who's like who approaches the younger one, Therese played by Rooney Mara, who says, "You know, I haven't seen you in so long." And she ends up leaving. It's clearly that he interrupted a very meaningful interaction, but we don't know what that interaction is yet. So the other woman in this scene is Carol Aird who is portrayed by Kate Blanchett, and then we cut back to sort of the beginning of their story where. We see some scenes with Therese and her boyfriend, Richard, portrayed uh, by Jake Lacey, which really threw me off because I was just like, oh, it's that guy from the late seasons of The Office. Oh my god, <sighs>
1: me too. And he's like, not the greatest actor throughout this movie, either. Kind of, his whole performance throws me off a little bit. It but does. I can only see that character from The Office when I watch him. Yeah,
0: whenever I, whenever I see him, I just feel like, you are too modern, why are you here? like yeah you don't belong here like yeah I
1: feel like Rudy Mara and um uh Kate Blanchett both they just look so classic they really I fit the time mm-hmm. and then having him thrown in is a lot yeah with,
0: but. yeah no I'm glad it wasn't just me who was distracted by that my association is just too strong with just like fake Jim characters so that yeah that really <laughs> did throw me off a lot but anyway So it shows a little bit about their relationship in the scene where he's trying to get her to go to Europe with him and she clearly doesn't really care that much. And then it shows her, you know, with friends and stuff at some point and of his and she clearly doesn't seem like very associated almost with anyone. I don't know how else to phrase that. It seems kind of like she's just sort of floating through her life as it is right now. Is I think how I would describe that.
1: Yeah, and we see it's introduced that she is, like, very into photography. Uh, yeah. Her boyfriend she- makes the comment that, like, she's more interested in this, like, cheap camera than going away to Europe with him. Um, but it's the f- it's one of the first times that you, like, see a little spark in her eye is when she gets her camera back.
0: Yeah, and one of her friends, or one of their mutual friends, I believe, uh, Danny invites her to come to the New York Times where he works to introduce her to a photo editor and, you know, get her in with the Times. Which. Yeah. I'll just say now, actually happens. That's an actual thing that actually does occur. It's not just a line. I mean, it is kind of a line, but it's not exclusively a line, which is just, (laughs) which honestly surprised me. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so then we get, you know, we get a scene where Therese is working at a department store around Christmas, and she... We have one scene where she's admiring this train set, which I only mentioned because I want to ask you about it later. (laughs) Then we get a scene where it's the busy, you know, day and she's helping people and everything. And she spots a woman who's Cate Blanchett across the room and is clear that she is just enamored with her. I mean, that's where you've probably seen the memes, you know, where it's like Charlie and Mac, (laughs) except that it's Carol and Therese. (laughs) Which did make me laugh out loud, having seen this movie five years later and having seen so many memes that, like, I I know this was, like, a serious part. Or not serious, but, like, I know this was a part that I wasn't supposed to just be necessarily fully giggling at, but I <laughs> but was- the memes were too strong. It was too <laughs> strong. But anyway, so they have an interaction, which is just, like, a pretty typical interaction, except for that it's charged with just severe lesbian energy. (laughs) Some intense tension. It's so, like, it's- it's so quietly and yet screamingly gay. And- (laughs) and Carol orders a train set upon- therese's suggestion therese was like waxing poetic about it she's like oh, i didn't want to play with dolls as a kid i wanted to play with trains because i'm a lesbian uh, <laughs> and trains are for lesbians <laughs> fun fact
1: every time we watch this movie my girlfriend comments about how much she loved train sets when she was a kid
0: <laughs> that's extremely cute and good and i love that so but carol leaves her gloves behind which we could talk about if that was intentional or not for like 40 years. But anyway, <laughs> Therese, seeing her moment to shoot her shot, <laughs> make sure to send the gloves after her, which eventually leads to Carol calling the story and reaching out and asking her out. At some point, well, not asking her out, but like inviting her to lunch to thank her as if that's a normal thing to do. Oh, yeah. So
1: <laughs> so typical, so casual thanks for my gloves, let me pay for a fancy dinner
0: or lunch. Yeah, (laughs) it's very funny to me. At some point (laughs) during this, I think it's in between those two things, uh, Therese actually does go with that mutual friend, Danny, who works for the Times and goes to the office, but it's like after hours and not photo editor time. Oh, yeah. And they share a drink together and talk a bit, and then he tries to kiss her. Well, he doesn't try, they do kiss, and then she kind of freaks out and runs away. But she doesn't seem particularly bothered by it exactly.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I feel like that character, he's, like, mostly a nice guy. He shows actual interest in her. I mean, it's kind of shitty that he tries to kiss her when mm-hmm. she clearly, like, has a boyfriend. Whatever he knows. Obviously, he doesn't know about her sexuality and questions, but um, he overall is, like, a nicer guy. He's kind of shown as, like, a yeah someone who could have been a good option for her. Um, so it kind of is, like, her, you know, her sexuality from like within coming out to be like, no, I can't do this. Yeah,
0: I would agree because I don't think she seems particularly bothered by the the cheating aspect of it whatsoever. No, I she's mean, like, mm, <laughs> I like my boyfriend anyway. Yeah, we do get a line later on where she talks way later on. And it's not specifically about this part, but she's talking to Carol after an incident. We'll get to where she's kind of freaking out and she not kind of she's fully freaking out. And she's saying how she never says no to anything and how can she know what she wants when all she does is say yes. And that was when I heard that line, I was thinking about that moment mm-hmm. um, where she kind of goes along with kissing him for a second and then it's like, wait, no, actually, I don't want this by. But yeah. I agree. And that's why I mentioned that he does that she does actually get a job with the times later on because I wanted to mention that before <laughs> I talked about the scene where it just comes across like he's a total creep. If you just say it out loud, because watching it, you don't necessarily get the sense that he's a total creep. Even in that scene, you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't a great move.
1: Yeah, it does seem like he genuinely does like her and feel some kind of a connection. It's like a real, it's a move. It's not like a, that's not super predatory or anything.
0: Yeah, especially since he wouldn't be like in charge for anything. He's just like, oh, he he still does continue. You know, she doesn't continue to show interest in him. And he continues to be her friend and actually does get her a job. So right. I, I just wanted to address yeah, that. I feel like job. that is
1: important to point out. Just
0: because it changes the tone of all of that. And I don't want it to seem like this. It's okay. I'm going to say this now. Every time a man showed up in this movie, I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Just like literally every single time. Cause I... But I think it's it's hard to say why. I can't decide if it's because the movie was intentionally making me feel uncomfortable every time a man showed up or if it's, or because they just were all kind of scratch that. Or if it was just because I'm so used to the tropes, especially in movies about, you know, women living women that, right. You know, men will come and do something awful to these women or force, you know, or in some way be forceful right. with them or something. So like, I just kept expecting that to happen. And not that we don't get it to lesser degrees, you know, we don't we still get the men being not great, or kind of shitty. But it it wasn't to the degree that I'm so used to seeing and, and that I was bracing myself for.
1: Yeah, I think that's like one of the many ways that this movie kind of like, steps away from tropes of typical like, women loving women lesbian movies. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like, the men are, even though a lot of them, like, they're all like, flawed characters in one way or another, obviously Richard's a terrible boyfriend, mm-hmm. but um, they're not, like, terrible people, and they're not going to, like, yeah. do necessarily overly terrible things, especially, yeah.
0: like, sexually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, we never see, like, her boyfriend be, like, homophobic to her. Like, he he's more upset that she doesn't care about his, the relationship as he is. I mean, I can't say, like, not homophobic at all, but I mean, like, he mostly, he he doesn't take it to where you would think that he would take it, you know? He just talks about her, like, oh god, you have this crush, like, why, like, get over it, like, why does right. it matter? He's not like, oh, like, you're, he doesn't make it about who it is with, so much as it is, like, you just met this person, I'm your boyfriend, yeah. why don't you care about me? Right. It's like, he's a terrible Which, boyfriend you know? for her, not necessarily a terrible boyfriend for someone else who actually yeah. liked him. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. So anyway, so I'm kind of going out of order, but I'm going to cover the beats. So basically, yeah. So basically, what happens is we we get a lot of glimpses of Carol's life. Carol is a suburban, kind of socialite housewife who it's clear is gay and is clear, and her and her husband. Um, harge are getting a divorce and they have a child together who's young i i'm not sure how old she is like four or something yeah i'm really bad with kid
1: ages oh i'm
0: so bad at kid ages i'm just i call them little tinies and big tinies and that's about (laughs) as specific as i get um
1: (laughs) or i would call her a little tiny
0: yeah she's still a little tiny they're not big tinies (laughs) until they're like in elementary school more so Mm -hmm. um anyway (laughs) so (laughs) they have a big yeah they have a little tiny uh and so they're but it's clear that harge is aware that carol is presumably a lesbian and he expresses distress about her relationship with They call her, in front of the kid at least, uh, Aunt Abby, who is a childhood friend of Carol's, who she, we later learn, officially learn, that she had a relationship with much later on for a time, but that's been over for a while now. They're just continuing to be good friends, but it's clear that Harge is still very sensitive to this, and is also aware that she has been with other people as well. Mm -hmm. Harge is not wanting this divorce. He wants everything to stay status quo.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely, like, a man who wants his life to appear very normal from the outside. He's yes. that kind of character. Yes, even
0: as they're getting divorced and he's not necessarily fighting the divorce, he still is like, come to dinner with my family. Pretend like everything's yeah. fine. Uh, so anyway, though, Carol and Therese get their lunch, and then Carol invites her back to her house. Not immediately, but later on. So she, so Therese does follow, uh, follow up on that. She It's a super awkward night because Harge busts in, basically, and is arguing with Carol, and it's all very awkward. Uh, But And then we learn a bit more about their... And then Harge has to take the daughter, Rindy's, her name, early for Christmas, and Carol's very upset about this, because she had gotten this tree and everything, and it's all very messy. It's a very... They have a big fight, and after this, after Carol's kind of now realizing that for sure that this is not going to be at all amicable and that if she yeah, it's about to get Bessie. basically hard just kind of threatening to take rindy away from her somewhat at this point or i think he he says that she can't there's some sort of like injunction or something i don't remember exactly the words i want to use but basically she can't see her daughter until they are going to the, the settlement meeting whatever is going on later on Mm-hmm. I don't know the right terms, so I'm sorry. Yeah, and what even is legal terminology? I don't know. Yeah, for months she's not supposed to be allowed to see Rindy, and it sucks. It's awful. Right. And so her response to this is Hey, Therese, the girl I just met, you want to come on a road trip with me? And Therese is like, Hey, woman I just met, I would love to. Absolutely. For sure. Sounds great. Bye, boyfriend. I have some extra money for rent. Let's go. And that happens. And they go, and it's pretty much just them driving. There's not really much else that they show. It's for a while, but then they, at some point, they meet this salesman who talks to them, and it's kind of weird. It's like, oh, why are you talking to me so much? But I'm gonna be friendly, because you're not actually being particularly bad. It's just why are you talking to me? Just a little bit uncomfortable. Just a little bit uncomfortable. And then it, on New Year's Eve, they end up finally actually having physical contact. Yeah, they kiss for the first time and also sleep together for the first time. Which maybe I shouldn't use that euphemism because they've been sleeping next to each other sometimes, but they actually <laughs> have like sex for the first time. And then the next day, Carol gets a call from Abby, I believe, finds out that she had been recorded. Or at least founds out that Harge had sent a private investigator after her. Oops, turns out it was the salesman who was actually the private investigator and who had recorded their encounter through the wall. Not, like, visually, but auditor- yeah, auditorily. He has,
1: <laughs> like, these very large recording equipment cases. Yes. And they go into his hotel room and he has literally drilled a hole in the wall and shoved like the, whatever you, what it would be called, yeah, whatever like receiver device, yeah. into the wall to record them.
0: So Carol, yeah, Carol threatens threatens him with a gun, actually, which uh, Therese had found in her case earlier, but hadn't really said anything about. I also I I can't
1: help but laugh at one part in that scene where uh, Carol gets very upset, looks for her suitcase in the trunk of the car, grabs a gun, and it walks off quickly and Therese is like, Carol, what are you gonna do with that? <laughs>
0: I can't help but laugh every time. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And then um uh, And this is when we get the scene where I believe where Therese is kind of freaking out and self blaming and being like, This is all my fault. Like I shouldn't have I should have said no, I shouldn't have engaged with you, then you wouldn't be having this issue with your you know it's a divorce and your kid and I've fucked up your whole life and it's like <laughs> and so on my other show Summer Twilight Book Club we constantly are like holy shit Bella go to therapy and that was what I felt like I'm like holy shit Therese go to therapy like this is not your fault yeah seriously like this
1: older woman is the one who swept you off on a road trip
0: and who was like you know? perfectly aware of her situation and the risks involved right. like wasn't Knew what was happening in her life and was doing it anyway. Which, I mean, I don't blame... That sounds like I'm blaming Carol for like just living her life how she wants to, and I'm not, but I'm just saying right. she's aware of, of the course. consequences and she did it knowingly.
1: But also, you know, wasn't aware that she was going to be recorded through a hotel ball. you know? Well, so.
0: no. Although, seemed <laughs> suspicious that something like that could happen judging by bringing the gun and everything. Yeah. But either way, I knew that she was at risk with her... Daughter. But again, I'm not blaming Carol for just living her life and being the person she wants to be because there's nothing wrong with that. But anyway, so we get the scene where she's, where Therese is really self-blaming about it, and Carol grabs her by the, you know, like gently. I don't mean like (laughs) harshly. (laughs) And is like, You didn't do anything bad. Like, this was choices that we both made, and, you know, this is my life and my problems. And it is not your fault, basically. And so Carol flies back to, it's New York that they live in, but I'm so distracted by knowing that it was recorded in Cincinnati that now I'm like, that's okay. But (laughs) they live in New York. Uh, So Carol flies back and Abby flies to wherever they are at that point, uh, Therese is, to help Therese drive, well, to drive Therese back. I'm not sure if Therese knows how to drive. (laughs) It's unclear. <laughs> I, I she probably doesn't if she like grew up, I in mean, yeah, she
1: New lives York. in New York, she takes the train, she rides on her boyfriend's bicycle, yeah, probably
0: not, so she flies and drives her back, and they have a scene too where that's where we get to kind of learn more about Abby and Carol's relationship and the type of life that Carol has been living in that kind of sense, and because Therese says to her, and this was one of the scenes where I most felt like Therese is a child, like I know she's not literally a child, I know she's tech. Type- like she's a young adult, but there's this scene where Teresa's is like, why do you hate me? You don't even know me and you hate me. And Abby's yeah. like, I flew all the way across the country to drive you home. And you think I hate like, you. <laughs> you think that I hate you? Yeah. And she's like, well, you're just doing that for Carol. And Abby's just like, oh my god. Are you fucking kidding me right now? You fucking child. Why do I
1: have to do this? <laughs> but this is actually one of the parts of the movie that is very, very different from the book it's based on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I haven't read the book, but um, I did talk to my girlfriend about it for, like to get as much background as I could to find out what was different. I appreciate that. There's a whole, yeah, nobody comes to get her in the book. She actually, I think she either drives herself home and, or she, I don't know, maybe she hitchh- hitchhikes or takes buses or something. I'm not sure. But she gets herself home. And this is the part of the book that shows her growing the most. Mm-hmm um it's basically like so she has her road trip out with carol and then she has her road trip home by herself where she meets people and stays in different like cities states that she's never been to and um she just kind of like learns about herself and reflects on what's been happening Mm -hmm. with carol and everything but of course like this is in the movie they kind of just imply that she's what she goes through after she comes home from driving back with abby Mm -hmm. um but yeah, that's one of the parts that is the most different, has the most cut out
0: yeah. in the book. Which I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, that makes sense, because that's really long. Oh, totally. That's two really long trips and everything. But then, yeah. But then what I do have to say then, and what's something I kind of felt was missing from this movie in some respects, is that growth that you're talking about. Because it is just implied, and we don't see it very much. And I did kind of feel like that was lacking a bit like i I understood that she had changed, but I didn't feel the change happen, so it it didn't land quite right to me like i I knew she had changed, yeah. but I didn't know how she had changed. I guess is maybe
1: yeah, it's definitely it's just kind of implied that she has like come home from this and decided to be more independent. Which does seem like just kind of like a snap decision rather than like over time learning, talking to people, thinking through what's happened to her. They just kind of show her coming back, getting a new job. She paints her house and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so
0: she gets a job at the Times and and commits more to photography and things.
1: Yeah, I mean, you do have to cut certain things out because I'm sure it's a decent length book.
0: Oh, yeah. So you're
1: not gonna be able to fit everything yeah. in. Yeah,
0: you obviously have to cut things out. Yeah, some things would be nice to see. So I, I'm not gonna begrudge a movie cutting large swaths out. I just, to me, my opinions on this have changed drastically over time as I've become more into film. Because, you know, when I was younger and I read more, not that I don't read, I read a lot now too, but, you know, when I was younger I was more in the, oh, I hate when they change any single thing about about you know a book and now i'm more about does the film contain like the emotional truth of the book and the the most important themes of the book and kind of like the heart of it and if it has that then i'm much more lenient with the rest because it's it's not the same medium you're not you can't tell the same story in the same way Yeah, there's no way.
1: You can't, like, reduce... It's a decent-sized book, and, like, you can't reduce it down into like, two hours. Yeah.
0: After they return home, we we get uh, one of the most difficult, emotionally, for me at least, scenes in the film, where... Which, because I'll talk a bit about the tone of the film later on, and I'll exp- but this is one of the ones that really sticks out to me the most. Where it is the divorce proceedings, and they're talk you know, they have the custo- custody meeting and they're presenting the evidence and things. And Carol mentions, you know, that she's made progress with her psychotherapist, implying you- or letting the audience know that either she's been forced to, or her lawyer advised her to go to a psychotherapist to work through her quote unquote problems to strengthen her case, I presume, of getting Rindy back. But Carol decides that. Rindy is better off with Harge and not in this back and forth environment and this hostile environment. And she says, I don't remember the exact line and I wish I had written it down. I have it written down. Oh, I think I have it written down too, actually, now that I think about it. I don't even have my notes up. You said you have it written down though?
1: Yes. She says, what use am I to her if I'm living against my grain? Oh, that wasn't
0: even the line I was thinking of. There's a lot of lines in this.
1: Yeah, there's some good ones in this scene.
0: Yeah, that one, though, that one's, I wish I had written that down, too, because that one's extremely meaningful, you know, basically saying, because Harge was trying to say, like, if you, you have to, because we didn't mention earlier, but the reason she couldn't see her daughter was because of a quote-unquote morality clause, so basically because she's a lesbian, she can't see her kid, which I know we, like, implied, but that was, I wanted to use the the phrasing because I think that's important. But no, it was a part where she turns back to him and is like, we aren't ugly people.
1: Yeah, she says like, uh, if she makes the deal that Harge can have full custody, but she wants visits, regular visits, she doesn't care if they're supervised or whatever. And then she says, you can take that or you can leave it. But if you leave it this will get ugly and we're not ugly people and she's like tearing up as she says
0: it and then she turns and leaves. Yeah. that part oof. It's... The, yeah. yeah the line you said and then that part are what really really struck me in that scene both of those parts are just like oof moments because of yeah. that like that part where she still is able to kind of empathize with him so much in that line you know like in well, also while he's also being so cruel to her, it's just, it's yeah, just a lot. Cause she,
1: she like wants him to be in her daughter's life. She wants them both to be in her daughter's mm-hmm. life. But it's just like it's so awful that he just he can't even let her have yeah.
0: that. He like wants to take it all away yeah. from her. It's terrible. Basically, yeah. Basically, the if you can't if I can't have you, then you can't have anything. You know. Right. Which I don't think, and I and i I guess we don't know what happens after this, but I think we're supposed to be left with the feeling that he agrees to that, at least that's what I assume, yeah that that is why, okay, because I think they are trying to portray in the movie that he is a desperate man and isn't like trying to be cruel, but is being awful because he can't just let her go and let her have the life she wants to. He's trying to coerce her into having the life he wants to. And I think we are supposed to think that he does, in his way, care about her, but his way is completely unhealthy and completely, you know, extremely toxic (laughs) to her.
1: Yeah, like this is a time where like, you don't, people don't know, obviously, or think that being gay is, like, something that you are born with Mm -hmm. and, like, something that is integral to, like, your very being. They think that it's just something that, like, that Carol should be able to just swallow in order to have Mm -hmm. a life with Harge That's might not be satisfying, but then she gets to have her child with her. And,
0: like, obviously, we know now in 2020 that that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So during this whole time period, I kind of forgot to mention... When Abby came to pick up Therese, she gave her a letter that basically was like, from Carol, that basically was like, hey, we can't talk or see each other anymore, but, um, you're great, and, uh, you are going to want explanations, but you only want those explanations because you're young. Uh, Or explanations and closure, not just explanations, but, you know. And, I'm sorry, bye. There's way more to it than that, but (laughs) I can't remember the exact (laughs) words, and that's the basic gist of it. And but it's, we see Carol yearning for her in the meantime, and we, have, we even have the scene, which is amazing, where she's in a cab <laughs> and she sees Therese on the side of the street, like walking across the street, and Kate Blanchett basically just smooshes her face against the glass to right? so look at her. It's so
1: great. Oh. It's so great. It's literally like the exact reversal of the beginning of the Mm -hmm. movie, where Therese sees her in the department store. It's like, it's amazing, the way they just flip it around like that, and suddenly she's the one without power. Yeah,
0: and it's so close to the end of the movie where you think that it's going to be the kind of traditional, like, I'm gonna jump out of the cab and run after you, and it's not what happens at all. She just stares at her. And, uh... (laughs) But she does end up reaching out to... Therese, she writes to her and asks her to meet her, and it's the scene from the beginning of the movie where they meet at the Ritz Tower Hotel for tea, and we finally get to see what that conversation was. And it's basically Carol saying, hey, I'm living my own life now, I'm doing it the way I want, wanna move in with me? Wild. (laughs) what a wild question yeah 1952 u-haul bitch carol aired over here seriously Uh, (laughs) Uh.
1: when i saw this movie for the first time though i saw that scene and was like therese you better say no i like i thought carol was crazy and obviously i mean we'll get to it in the summary but like things go differently
0: and it makes sense completely but i literally was like
1: carol you crazy bitch!"
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was so, I really thought Therese was going to say yes for a minute. Like, <sighs> yeah, the way her eyes like, they like light up, but she's, it
1: honestly, this is one of the places that we see like how much she has grown compared to that lunch mm-hmm. scene towards the beginning. It's like, you can see in her that she's like, yes, absolutely. I want to live with you for the rest of my life. But she like in her eyes, you see that, but she like holds it back so well. Mm-hmm and knows that she needs to at least think about things and like ruminate and she can't like say yes
0: right now so she says no and i think she also was partially kind of lighting up because i think she saw i think it was partially for her own reasons about her own emotions and i i kind of felt like it was also because she was excited for carol for her living her life you know how she wanted to in that way and that things seemed to be coming together for her
1: Yeah, it's a big deal, especially, like, in the 50s for this Mm -hmm. woman to just decide, like, later in life. I'm not sure how old Kate Blanchett was during the filming of this. She was 46, I believe. 46, yeah. Like, at that point in life to just decide, like, I'm going to live my life a whole different way. It's Mm -hmm. a big deal. And, like. Yeah, she gets a job,
0: you know, at a furniture house as a buyer, I think. Yeah. She gets her own apartment and totally different life. Totally different life. So she declines her invitation, though, but Carol, and then, she, you know, they get interrupted, or whatever, but Carol has said, you know, if you change your mind, I'm going to be at the Oak Room later tonight having dinner. So, and they have this really gay shoulder touch. There's a lot of gay <laughs> shoulder touching in this movie. Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> I was watching it, and I literally <laughs> like, was joking to myself, like, I'm like... <laughs> Because there's a while where I was like, I don't know if they're ever going to have sex, but they're going to touch each other's shoulders so intimately, and then it made me laugh so hard. Where <laughs> the scene preceding them having sex was her touching her shoulders really sensually again, seriously, and I was like, God, shoulder touching's the gayest thing you can possibly do, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: so much emotion is conveyed in this movie just with shoulder touches. So
0: she goes to, she goes to a party. The one that the guy who had interrupted was going to. Also, she gets around with him, and she goes to this. A uh, Teresa, that is. She goes to this party, and I think it's. Is it Donnie's party? Uh, is it Danny? Danny?
1: Is that the guy's Donnie? name? Danny, I, I you're think right. So. Not I Donnie. I think it's like him and his Danny. roommate. Yeah,
0: yeah. The other dude Yeah, Times I think guy. it's like him and his yeah. roommate. It's his party, and she's so she goes there. She sees her ex boyfriend with a new girl. She, you know, he looks kind of mad, and she kind of looks like, oh, okay, that's happening and she has this scene with Carrie Brownstein and that's kind of
1: weird Like, I think a lot of Carrie Brownstein's scenes were actually cut out of this I think she has like a good amount of like deleted scenes I mean they might
0: not be not like accessible deleted scenes but yeah that makes a lot more I sense think- because I found that whole part very strange in the context of the film Because it seemed like she was supposed to be an important character, but she's there for, like, 45 seconds.
1: Yeah, I think that um, she's supposed to, like, hit on Therese and maybe, like, ask her to go back to her apartment with
0: her. I'm not totally sure. Um, I mean, I got the sense that that was what was happening in that scene. I mean, I got the feeling of, like, oh, she's... She's hitting on Therese, you know, and this is like another opportunity for another woman. So if it's just about your sexuality and not about Carol, here's your chance. Well, like, here's a here's another chance to experience that life, which I only say because the very next part, we also see her look at Danny, who's with the girl, and you can kind of see in her in her face, like, oh, that was another opportunity I could have had that I'm choosing not to have. Like, to me, it was like, here are three opportunities, like, here's my ex boyfriend who I could have had. Here's this other guy who I could have had. Here's this woman I could have. I don't want any of this.
1: Yeah, it's like that's the moment where almost like I think that in like the extra scenes, she kind of like is realizing like, oh, this Carol isn't my only shot. Mm-hmm. Like there are other women who like find me attractive and are interested in me. But like I can only think about Carol. So I know what I need. To yeah, know.
0: that's what I meant by like if it's just about her sexual. Yeah, I said it kind of weird. But yes. So, then she goes to find Carol at the Oak Room, and they stare at each other gaily, and then the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's what happens. <laughs> um, yeah. I was gonna do a shorter summary than that, but I'm not gonna do a short summaries. I always have to have them be super long. But we talked about stuff while we were okay. doing it, so it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, we got a lot of that discussion in. So I do have to say, and I'm sorry... I didn't like this movie as much as I thought I was going to. I liked talking about it more than I liked watching it. Hmm. But I'm having a really good time talking about it. Okay. I think I would like the book more is, is the feeling that I'm getting out of this. Because I feel like I was having a difficult time becoming as emotionally invested as I wanted to be. And I think that why is not necessarily a... Like, I don't think it's because it's not a great movie, I think it's just not my style as much. Where this was a really, to me, and what I think was really beautiful and so nice about this, but also made it so I wasn't as personally, like, invested, was it's a really restrained movie in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, the, from the way that The actors are, you know, like, the characters are acting very, you know, they are emotionally restrained themselves, you know, from the time period and, you know, the things that are going on, they can't, and and also the alienation they feel in their lives. They are themselves emotionally restrained, restrained. But I also found, you know, like, the blocking and the camera angles and the pacing and the the just the general tone that is created was was very emotionally restrained which i think really aided in telling of the story but then also for me it was i don't know if like i i had a harder time investing as much but i still found it like interesting like their stories are really interesting but i i had a harder time engaging which might just be because it's just not the type it's just it's just a style difference is all it is like because i i was watching like this is a good movie and, and it'll be interesting but I don't love it <laughs> yeah but I don't love it yeah but I was like watching it I'm like these are really great choices but it's just not something that I'm I'm as into but I'm super interested to hear all the things that you love about it and I still have you know I still have a lot to say but yeah so but I, the, I don't I wonder what you kind of feel about that though like the that emo. did you also feel that there was a lot of emotional restraint in this film or yeah I I definitely do get that sense I obviously love this movie, but I
1: totally understand everything that you're saying about it. Yeah, I think that the restraint kind of like adds to it because so much of the movie is built on like the tension mm-hmm. of like their their connection like from mm-hmm. the very, very beginning. Like there are so many things that they want to say the whole time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like other characters too. Like there's so many things that they could say that they're feeling that they just don't say. And their relationship kind of builds based on, like, again, like that, like that tension. So I think that that's one of the things that I like about it so much is that it's Mm -hmm. not so, like, overly, overly sexual, overly romantic, because I think that so much lesbian media is, like, so Mm -hmm. sexual, like, Mm -hmm. I'm an L word fan, which is like a controversial opinion, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like that show is insanely sexual, and this mm-hmm. movie, like being such a big movie, and focusing on like their lives and their feelings rather than like their sex, is mm-hmm.
0: like a big deal. Oh yeah, and I agree. Like I thought it almost felt strange when that scene finally happened because you were almost like, at least for me, I. I I almost was like, didn't think that it was going to, and I didn't mind that at all. I was just like, oh. the I, I so related to all of the, oh, well, we could just, like, get one hotel room instead of two. And like <laughs> like, all of these, like, eh, eh, eh like, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to do this tiny, tiny, tiny little step, and then you can do this tiny, tiny, tiny little step. And we'll just keep doing that forever. <laughs> Until we finally get there. <laughs> You know? Yeah,
1: but yeah, even that scene is like it's it's about the way that they're feeling, yeah, like, like
0: emotionally, yeah, and like for about sure. them
1: finally, like I don't know, feeling so connected,
0: yeah. Um, and I think that the emotional restraint in every you know in so many ways really, really particularly spoke to Carol's experience in her life, like she had to restrain so much of herself for so long and in so many and in so many different ways like not just not just oh i can't be with the people i want to be but also i can't express my feelings in other realms the way i want to express them or oh i can't experience my family like i want to and i can't right. even experience my friendships how i want to because they're looked at with more scrutiny because of my sexuality and i can't just go out and have the friends that I- you know, at social events because they're so weighted with this relationship with her, this divorce with her husband, and it's just her whole life is just grinning and bearing it in yeah, so many and ways. Then
1: to think about the fact that towards the end of the movie, she's also like having to at least try to basically go through like a conversion therapy, mm-hmm. and like that's can you like imagine that would be my breaking point too if I was yeah. in this situation like. After dealing with that for your whole life and not only like having to do with like restraining your emotions because you're gay, but also because like you're a housewife, mm-hmm. you know, like she's clearly like a woman who knows what she wants in life and knows what she wants to do. But then she's like somebody's wife. And in the 50s, like that, she's just kind of stayed at home and like, you know, she's a beautiful woman. She's like a trophy wife, basically. Mm hmm. And then after all that, she has to, like, try to go through conversion therapy. Like, that would be yeah. such a And you
0: point. see, and it's so it's so interesting. And I'm sure this is partially because it's based on, a, you know, uh, this is, this part, you know, that that part of Carol's storyline is one of the parts that is based on a real person. It was, you know, it's based on the story of a woman who actually did lose custody of her daughter in a divorce that included a secret taping of her and her lover. It's like, that's based off something real, and so it's, you know, you have that moment where where Carol finds out and she finds that the tape's already sent. Everything's so heated. And you have that moment of, like, what is she going to do now? Yeah. She chooses to try for a while because she doesn't want to lose everything in her life. and But then it comes down to the point where she realizes, after trying it for a while, you know, that it's just not bearable. That she can't shove herself into nothingness in order to you know, retain these other important things. Like She has to choose herself or everything else, basically. Yeah. And it's awful. It's awful. But it is, like you said, it's not like some of these other movies where it's just, like, huge, where it's not painted as this, like, I mean, it's painted as heartbreaking and sad, but it's not like Carol's life is painted as huge tragedy overall, like we so often get with, you know, it is tragic, but We still see a lot of, like, opportunity and hope for her. It doesn't end, I mean, it ends not ideally by any means, but it doesn't end in the way that I feel like we're so used to seeing movies like this end, you know? Right. You know, she doesn't die. She doesn't, she presumably gets visits with her daughter at the very least. She gets to do start living her life the way that she wants to, even though it's so much later and et cetera, et cetera. But it's, yeah. Carol's story is particularly really fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing too is that in the book, she's not like a main character, you know? I mean, she's a main character. She's a love interest, but the whole book is like very much in Therese's perspective. And you don't get those scenes that are, like, just Carol dealing with, like, the divorce settlements and stuff. So a lot of that stuff was, like, created for the movie. And obviously, like,
0: you have Kate Blanchett. You're going to give her whatever Kate you Blanchett, can and she does yeah. an amazing job. That's so interesting because watching it, I kept thinking, who is the main character of the story? Because it's, from the beginning, it's painted, and like, oh, Therese is the main character and Carol is the the secondary character. But there were lots of moments in the movie where I didn't feel that way. Like I didn't feel like that was what was happening. I felt like we got so little of Therese and so much of Carol. And I think that's part of what I had struggled with in this, is that I felt like I didn't know much about Therese. Like I knew she was interested in photography and I knew that she didn't really know what she wanted. But I I didn't feel like I got a good sense of her internal world, which is partially why her growth didn't come across as much to me, because I didn't always feel like i really understood much about her like i didn't feel like i really understood why she was doing a lot of the things she was doing other than just like whoa here's an opportunity i've never had before Mm -hmm. so yeah and that's interesting to hear you say that that's that the balance of that is different in the book because it's definitely i don't think weighted anywhere near that way in the film
1: yeah well there was speaking of you know, feeling like who actually is the main character. There was like a lot of controversy controversy dealing with like award seasons mm-hmm. uh, with this movie where um, in general it was snubbed. It didn't get as many nominations as really anybody thought it should, which, mm-hmm. you know, is whatever award shows are, you know, I like to watch them, but they're not like all that important. But because of this being like a major LGBT film. Mm-hmm. Not being like getting the nominations it deserves, but
0: especially with, the, with especially with two, with so many of these people are like major involved actresses. in making it, or major actresses, and like the the other like people involved are not like no one either. So right,
1: but um, when it came down to their like best actress nominations, Rooney Mara ended up only getting a supporting actress nomination rather than like. Which is decided, I believe, by by the production companies, like, who they decide mm-hmm. to nominate. But yeah, so after, like, this movie, basically, she is kind of, like, the main character, like, emotionally. And then they, you know, Carol obviously is also a main character, but it, their roles are pretty different. But they both are main actresses. Neither of them, I would say, are supporting actresses. But yeah, it yeah. was a big controversy when she was only given the supporting actress nomination. Hmm.
0: That's really interesting. I would agree it's very strange to have to list her as a supporting actress. But it also, I guess I don't know if I really did feel like she was the emotional like, center of, of the film. I feel like my, and maybe it's just because of where I was focusing versus what the, they were actually trying to show me. But I personally felt like I was getting so much more of Carol, Carol's emotional growth throughout this film. Especially when we got that line, the one that you mentioned earlier, the going against my grain. To me, that was like, the, what is the word I'm looking for? The thesis of the film. Right. Which. Yeah. is Which doesn't mean that that doesn't apply to both of them, because I think it does. It, that, that line applies to both of them in just extremely different ways. Because they're in extremely different parts of their lives.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that is also part of the reason that I can feel so much that therese is like at least as equally a major like a main character because her story is something more that i would relate to you know Mm -hmm. like i like i'm 25 and she was probably about that age like as the character in this movie i think she's only
0: supposed to be like 20
1: okay well when i was coming out then i was about that age yeah But yeah, like that, the story of like trying to like make yourself fit into something else and it just not working right and then something like opens your eyes and then you start to learn about yourself. So maybe I guess that could be like why I find her to be as much of a main character just Mm -hmm. because like her emotional story makes so much sense to me that I can like, I guess like see myself in it. Mm -hmm. So it feels full. Yeah. I can see why you would think the other way. That makes total
0: sense, also. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is framed from Therese's perspective. I right. mean, it is, she is the start of it, she is the end of it. You know, there's no narrator, but if there were to be one, it would be her. Like, right? it is, yeah, It's. I guess that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I just looked it up. Rooney Mara would have been about, well, okay, when day was it recorded? It was recorded before it came out. I remember that it was, I feel like it was like a more so before it came out than maybe normal, but I could be incorrect about that, well,
1: I think it had like a smaller release and then a larger release, also,
0: yeah, okay, so I guess this will just go into the part that one other part I want to talk about a bit, and you might know a bit more about this than I do, but I was when I was researching the movie, it mentioned how in the book she's supposed to be like I forget like either nineteen twenty or twenty one therese is Mm -hmm. and carol's supposed to be in her early 30s mhm kate blanchett is not in her early 30s yeah (laughs) she cannot pass for being in her early 30s she's gorgeous but she's not in her early 30s she's in her mid 40s and i think Mara. like i just looked it up i think she was like actually in her mid to late 20s but the character is still supposed to be in her early 20s and i get that it might have just been we want kate blanchett as this character but I do think it probably gives a very different tone to have someone in their mid-40s with someone who's in their early 20s versus having someone in their early 30s with someone who's in their early 20s. Yes. And I, I was very distracted by it the whole time. And I, I couldn't help but feel, and I don't, okay, this is, I have to be clear. This is a feeling, not necessarily a reality, this is my perception, and I have no evidence to back this up. So, I want to be clear about that to listeners. But I always kind of feel like they tend to show large age gaps a lot in gay relationships in mm-hmm. films. And I know they do it in straight in like in all movies in Hollywood. Like you, like you know, there's always like a older man and a younger woman. Like you get that all the time. But there's just something about it that bothers me. <laughs> And mm-hmm. they mention it a little bit. And I'm not saying it bothers me, like, this makes a movie not good kind of way. I just mean, like, more of, like, a larger kind of conversation. I think it's really, an int- like, an odd choice to make the gap so much larger, but then also not address it much at all. Like, they mention it. They're like, oh, I know Abby says to Carol, like, she's so young, are you sure you know what you're doing? And that's kind of it. And I think, but I think it really plays into their dynamics. And really, because they are at such different points in their lives, like, the things that Carol is concerned about in her life are so wildly different than the things that Therese is concerned about in her life. And it does, I think, kind of paint a different picture of, you know, like, we had kind of joked about it earlier, but, you know, like, Carol does ask this young woman to just, like, drop everything in her life and come with her, and... And makes this decision when she knows that she's in an incredibly tumultuous time in her life. And probably not really a good... Well, definitely, obviously, textually not in a good place to be in a relationship. And really just throws Therese's life off balance. And Therese, this is the first time she's ever had an experience with her sexuality in this way, as far as we know. Like, she has that conversation with her boyfriend. Which we haven't mentioned, where she's like, hey, do you think someone could just like fall in love with someone of the same gender? No, not like be gay, but just like just happen to fall in love with someone of the, of the same gender and it's just like a one off. <laughs> like, do you mm-hmm. think that can happen? <laughs> and he's like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it just, it's just a very. And again, I'm not trying, to, I don't want to sound like I'm demonizing Carol for it because I get that she's. In a very, like, I mean, she's in a very tumultuous period in her life, and she has, she's just kind of like reaching out to things that are comforting to her, I think, in some ways. But it is, like, there's something there to be talked about, I think, though, definitely. about that. Yeah.
1: Um, it definitely is, like, a trope of queer media like the age gap relationships i talked about this with my girlfriend a few days ago we talked about like call me by your name kind of like deals with some Mm -hmm. similar stuff i don't it doesn't bother me in this movie but i totally understand i think it's like it's a relevant thing to think about and talk about Mm -hmm. it doesn't bother me that much just because i don't know i think part of it is like the period Peace factor that it mm-hmm. does take place in the 50s and like things were different. Mm-hmm. I believe that part of the reason that they changed the age gap so much is that in the book, the age gap is more like she's like 19 and Carol's in her like in her early 30s. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't necessarily, I don't think, at least me personally, I don't really think that I would see. Like, and she's supposed to be like an older woman, so I don't think that I would see like a woman in her like early 30s as like an older woman because, like,
0: you know, it's it's see, I think that's partially just where I'm different is that I, I think that this is maybe just like a personal thing. I really have issues with age gaps in general. So to me, if I saw someone who was like 19, was someone in her early 30s, I would be like, What the fuck, that's a child,
1: Let right. It- which,
0: yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely, I would be talking about it nonstop. I've not seen Call Me By Your Name partially for that reason. Because I'm just like, I don't know if I can do all that. I probably will at some point in this podcast. Whoever's choosing it, just be aware that I'm going to have an issue with it.
1: Right. Well, I think that that is yeah. also part of the reason that they've changed up the ages. I think part of it is because, you know, they had Cate Blanchett. So, like, I mean, she's obviously going to do an amazing job with the part and, mm-hmm. in the film. So, like... They can push her age up, but it would have been so much, I think, more uncomfortable to, like, see someone who's supposed to be, like, 19 or 18 in the movie with a woman who's supposed to be, like, in her 30s. So, to me, the, like, early 20s, mid-20s, late 20s, depending on whether they're going by, I don't know, what they say or how Rooney Mara old old she is. I um, mean, she
0: can easily pass for her early 20s in this movie in particular.
1: Right, yeah, and that's, like, the way she's styled, you know, and how, like, Mm
0: -hmm. you
1: know, young and, like, innocent she's supposed to seem, regardless of what her ages. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, it doesn't really, like, bother me that much, but I can understand, like, where you're coming from, for sure. Yeah. And it is, like, a trope of, Mm -hmm. like, queer films, as I said, so it's something to definitely uh, think about.
0: I think what it did for me is it made the ending feel a lot different and i guess i also want to get your perspectives on on how this movie ends and and how you felt about it because i think that that scene i i guess that i think different people would really perceive like emotionally perceive that last scene very differently so i'm curious what your feelings were about how the movie ended and i know you also are a little skewed by knowing more about the book than i do i don't know how it ends so I, I'm assuming that
1: it ends a similar way, but I don't know for sure. Uh, I like the ending. I think that it would be it would feel a little different if they did show more of the like time that Therese like, you know, takes that trip by herself and grows and learns. But since we don't see that it is a little bit like, well, what has really changed in a way? Mm-hmm. But I I like the ending and I try not to take it so much as like Okay, well now they're going to be together. They're going to live together forever and mm-hmm. more like Therese like wants to like try this and see what mm-hmm. happens. Whether they like move in together right away, who knows, but like she at least wants to explore the possibility. So I like the ending because I feel that they genuinely did have an emotional connection oh, throughout I agree. the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, like to me it makes sense that they would you know, still feel that they're in love. Yeah. At this point. And like, if things change in the future, you know, that's life. But as it stands, I like the ending.
0: Yeah. I don't dislike the ending, but I don't know if I found it like happy, like I was supposed to. (laughs) Like, I feel like I couldn't help, but just think about how rough this is all going to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it's good to think about the fact that it is going to be difficult. And like, they're both deciding to try this knowing how hard it's going to be because yeah. like mm-hmm. Therese is just learning about herself and Carol is going still going through like settling after the divorce and mm-hmm. dealing with like how often she's going to be able to see Rindy and everything. So I feel like they both know that it's not just going to be easy, but they want to try. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes it happy to me.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking about all those gay shoulder touches. <laughs> I really was impressed by the first scene in how much you could tell was going on by just these by just the way it was shot and the way it was blocked and you know when you see the first scene the first time you don't see Therese's reaction when Carol leaves you you, right. s- you see Carol touch her shoulder and Therese looks at her, and then she looks forward, and then you just see the back of her head while the rest of the scene plays out. And then mm. when you see it for the second time, you actually see her reaction. And I thought that was such a good choice. Yeah. Like, just an like emotionally such a good choice where you get to learn so much more from just, just that simple, let's change which direction, you know, where we're shooting this from and the perspective and everything. There are so many really well thought out choices like that throughout the film that I think is what part of what so many people grab onto is just, you know, the the way they portray emotion and the way they craft the story through through the camera work like that. Yeah, you know, you you get a lot of really interesting shots like through the car windows and they're at weird angles, kind of not like just not like weird angles that are supposed to make you feel Uncomfortable or anything, but just you know, that are supposed to kind of show the experience of the people, you know, and yeah, and their well, emotionality. Yeah.
1: I think that it's not super often, or maybe a little bit more often now, but um at least like a few years ago and earlier, it wasn't super often that a queer film or a piece of queer media would get this kind of treatment. They're kind of like usually like lower budget. Or, you know, mm-hmm. not like these big actresses or anything. So to see this movie be like really thought out and like they mm-hmm. really focused on the way things would be shot, the way things are blocked,
0: and mm-hmm. well, what's really yeah. interesting about this to me? So I have to name this. Unfortunately, this is the Weinstein Company who made this, film, right? Who also made a film I talked about recently on the podcast, A Single Man, which came out. Uh, six years earlier than this and is also uh explicitly queer film about with colin firth and mm-hmm. it is as the star and is just and I, I couldn't help but compare the two movies while watching them because they are very similar in many ways they are very in you know they the choices are extremely intentional you also have an age gap maybe not as big the visuals are really, really important to the storytelling in addition to, you know, the acting. And, well, that's always true. <laughs> that's always true of any film. But I mean, like, but I mean, like, it stands out. Like, the, even to a casual movie viewer, I think you would, like, notice how how these things are interacting. Whereas some movies I think is more subtle. You're not, if you're not someone who, like, thinks about these, like, films critically in that way, I don't know if they would always stand out. But in these ones that, like, you can see it happening, you know. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes more important than than the plot or the whatever. It's like to show these emotions, mm-hmm. and they are both very restrained in a lot of ways, and they're both very subtle in in what they are showing you. and And so, I couldn't help but but think about that and how they are put out by you know the same production company, which unfortunately is the Weinstein company but it is interesting to see these two films to like think about them side by side i don't know if you've ever seen a single man but
1: i i haven't i did listen to the um the episode that you
0: released yeah it's a really good movie people should yeah see it. <laughs> but i would be really interested for people who have seen both So if if anyone listening has seen both movies, I'd be super interested. Come on the Discord and talk to me about comparing them because I think it's really interesting to look at these two in comparison, especially since they are from the same production company and how they the attention they do give to these stories and and the depth and the subversion of a lot of some of these expectations we have from films like this.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is interesting to think about. And I feel like it's also worth mentioning that this is like another larger budget queer film where the actresses or you know actors in other cases are not queer people mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which i i don't
0: know i normally look up the try to well i try to look up you know the identities of the people but i don't actually know i i believe
1: that they're both straight um yeah
0: um which
1: i have like complicated feelings about like, where I stand on that, and I'm not really going to get too far into that. Mm-hmm. But it is something to think about, because we don't really have that many, like, larger budget movies like this that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, are queer characters portrayed by
0: queer actors, actresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one at least had the benefit of having uh, a gay director. Right. Who if I don't if I haven't mentioned it yet, Todd Todd Haynes, uh, who I primarily think of as doing Velvet Goldmine, I'm sure that's not the only thing that people would think of. <laughs> but I haven't even seen Velvet Goldmine, but I've just seen the pictures like from it so much that that's what I think of. But Yeah, and Phyllis Nagy did the screenplay. I don't know much about her, if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't either.
0: But no, I I agree and I talked about that. Yeah, I know I've talked about that previously, but I do think that is something definitely that's lacking a lot of times. And it's funny because I was seeing I was reading different people's takes because before I had only ever heard people say good things about this movie, which is understandable because it's a super well-crafted film. And so different from what you know, we kind of had before in many ways at least in movies that get popularized in the United States. I don't um but it I saw people commenting on that a lot. hmm And because I think it it ma- I mean, in some ways, like I know like I talked about that in the single man episode where Columb was like, yeah, I'm I-, I recognize him being part of the problem. And I would like to have an age where it doesn't matter and he can play whoever, but I also recognize that like that's not where we're at. <laughs> like, it does matter because people don't get these roles. You yeah. know, or if you Or <laughs> It's also interesting because in some, like, some people get typecasted, you know, like, they're gay, they get typecasted, you can only play, you can only play gay roles. But then right. other, but then, like, major gay roles tend to seem to go to straight people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, it's and like... I, <sighs> I think it's also worth mentioning that this movie did came come out, like, I don't know, it was probably started to be made, like, at least... Six or seven years ago, and a lot has changed since then, and like the way yeah. that people think about like that issue in particular um but yeah, it's just it's something interesting to think about because I do love this movie a lot, and the mm-hmm. fact that like the director and the writer and the author of the book that it's based on are all gay, so I think that not to be like that makes up for it, but it is you know it's an interesting conversation
0: and something to think about, I think it's important to note like. We're getting these stories. Who is telling these stories to us? And what is their perspective? Right. And so I think it's important to know.
1: Yeah. I think that it shows in the movie that, like, the writing, the directing is coming from people who have, like, this experience.
0: Like, have a queer experience. Yeah. I would definitely agree with you there. I think it it really does. In that it's not, like, it doesn't feel like it's, like, trying. Too hard? I I don't know how else to phrase it. Like I feel yeah. like I get that feeling sometimes when I watch anyone ra- really sometimes rating identities that are totally different than their own. You can almost just feel like you're trying too hard. <laughs> like Yeah. Like you you aren't finding the commonalities. You're focusing too much on highlighting certain things. Like, I don't know. But that's kind of getting off of the weeds. Like, I I would have to go off and have a whole other hour-long conversation about that. <laughs> but no, I think I agree with you. It's important to point out, and I think it does come through about who was telling it. But Before we go into the Russo test, is there anything else you wanted to point out or talk about? I mean, nothing
1: nothing like new. I think it is interesting to point out that one of the reasons that when this book was released in the 1950s was because that um, when it was released that it became like such a big deal um, was because it was even at that time subverting like the tropes of lesbian books. Like it already the fact that it wasn't like full of tragedy or like full of sex Mm -hmm. that was already subverting the tropes and like not much has changed. Yeah. Like we still talk Mm -hmm. about the same things,
0: you know, that's very real. That's very real. And, well, I think also it also had a balance. Because I feel like sometimes we also, we get one extreme or the other. You know, we either get this, like, oh, we're, like, too precious to ever taint our relationship with sexuality, Not (laughs) not because we're asexual, but because some other, like, I don't know, like, infantilization or something. Right. You know, we get those kind of, like, teen stories where it's, or not specifically teens, but, like, teen, young, adult, even older stories where it's just, like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to phrase what I want to say. We get one extreme or the other, I feel like, sometimes. Like, either they're hypersexual or they have nothing. And, again, not because that's, like, part of who they are, but just because, like, that's overgiven. And so it was nice of a story that was balanced in that way. Like, they had both. (laughs) yeah and also the tragedy or the tragic aspects of it didn't feel like trauma porn they were just like these are actual real things that people had to worry about we're not making this as sad as we possibly can or as tragic as we possibly can we're just making it as difficult as it would be
1: yeah like these are real things that people dealt with yeah you know like carol's story is probably like probably happened to so many women and like still i mean maybe still not does still, i'm but sure like, not that
0: long ago also was probably happening i'm sure it still does happen i mean if it might not happen in the exact same way right but i'm sure i'm absolutely i'm positive without even looking it up i'm positive it still happens <laughs> you know yeah yeah definitely it's a real yeah it, the fact that these stories come from real stories, even if it is an amalgam, is just you feel that you get that. I got that sense even before I looked it up. I got the sense that these are like real situations that people were put into. Yeah, Carol in particular, I was just like God, like, ugh, like I could just feel that reality kind of like crushing on me, and I was like, oof. But yeah. again, it was just for Terry so much restraint because that's like what that person would do, you know. Hmm. She reacted like a person would react, which was upset, but also be. It wasn't her. She has more in her life. She has so many things in her life. She has a full. Yeah, she has a full life with many different elements of it that are all happening at the same time. Her story isn't just this one part of her life.
1: Yeah, it's not just all about the tragedy, and that's not that's not what we're left with in the end of the movie we're left with like possibility and like Mm -hmm. where the future could take them
0: yeah okay on to the russo test which it will i can say right now it's gonna pass but so we'll do it anyway though and also this is this i think this is only the second movie that has passed no i lied we had dorian blues pass i think or we kept changing our minds (laughs) this is the second one that is like for sure no questions asked go to pass i believe so the film contains oh and if you are listening to the first time the russo test is kind of like the bechdel test but for queer movies or queerness in movies it's but it's inspired by the bechdel test so the film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian gay bisexual transgender and or queer there are at least three of them yes (laughs) (laughs) we have at the very least Therese, Carol, and Abby, and we probably have a couple more. So, the character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity, i.e. they are comprised of the same sort of unique character traits commonly used to differentiate straight-slash-non-transgender characters from one another. I would definitely say these characters have distinct personalities and distinct lives and distinct, you know, aspects about, about themselves absolutely like carol and therese are nothing like each other (laughs) right
1: and like that's what we've been talking about this whole time is that the movie Mm -hmm. doesn't just focus on the fact that they're gay
0: it focuses on their whole lives Mm -hmm. and lastly the lgbtq character must be tied into the plot in such a way that their removal would have significant effect meaning they are not there to simply provide colorful commentary paint urban authenticity or perhaps most commonly set up a punchline the character must matter i get to say my favorite thing There would be no Carol without Carol. (laughs) There there would be no Carol without Therese. You could have a Carol without Abby, but you certainly couldn't take out those other two. They matter. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. And you finally got me to watch this movie that I've been meaning to watch for so long, which I appreciate. Yeah, I'm really
1: glad that you at least even if it wasn't like your favorite movie ever that you at least got a lot out of it because it is a great movie.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing I'm I'm finding watching or doing this show so far. I mean, I, I haven't done that many episodes. But what I'm finding is that even with movies I watch that I don't personally either that whether I don't like them, or I kind of like them, or like I mostly like them, but I have some issues or I love them, it doesn't really matter how I feel about it because I'm going in with this conversation in mind, I'm just getting a lot out of them one way or another. Yeah. And whether it's getting a lot out of it from like a film standpoint of like analyzing like, Oh, what makes this film good? Or what makes it not work for me? What, what does it do for storytelling? Or if it's just thinking about what does the story do societally, or what is this story giving to the guests I'm going to be talking to or whatever it is. It's just, it's really great to be able to talk about these films basically. So, yeah. whether I love them or don't, it's still just a really great conversation and I'm really grateful to get to talk to the people who come on the show, including yourself.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, do you want to go ahead and tell people where they can find you again? Sure. Um Well, on I- the internet. Not in- yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, please don't come try to find me in real life. <laughs>
0: Um, I am
1: on Twitch periodically. I'm at twitch.tv slash Amanda with three A's in the beginning. So triple A, M-A-N-D-A. And also on Twitter at AmandaRose underscore with three A's at
0: the beginning, like in my Twitch handle. Awesome. So this has been another episode of Queers on Film. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Queers on Film. Also on Twitter, there's a link to the Discord. Please join it. I want to talk to people, whether it's about the show or just queer issues or experiences or just want to talk to me about whatever television show you're watching or talk to other people. Please join. I want to talk to y'all. You can find myself on Twitter at Epsilina. That is at E-P-S-I-L-I-N-A. Our icon is by Aaron Longoria, who can be found on Twitter at ErinWithN underscore A. And our amazing theme music is by is composed by Ethan Lynch and Haley McNichol. Please check out Haley's band. Uh <laughs> their band is Bombastic Dream Pussy, which is an amazing name. Also Haley is a great is a great human and a friend of mine, and their Twitter the band Twitter that is, is at Bombastic dream pussy but remove all the vowels from all of those words. Uh but yeah. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again in a couple of weeks, because remember, we are bi-weekly now.
1: (laughs) Bi-weekly.
0: (laughs) Bi-weekly. Bye until then. (laughs) Bye. Did you hear mine? I got, like, nervous and, like, half-clapped. Okay.